0: So thanks everybody for coming and listening to this talk. It is a work in progress and it is also a piece of work that I'm trying to think through on what I feel are really really important issues as we move into a new sort of algorithmic, um, the defined generation um, and how that affects law and how we think about law. So if we think about some of the issues um, that we need to think about as we move forward, we know that for several decades that the criminal justice systems have been going undergoing a lot of digitization and change. Technology is becoming increasingly sophisticated and several scholars have examined police agencies use of biodata, facial recognition software, traffic cameras, body cameras, car cameras, license plate readers and global positioning systems, all of which produce digital data that can be combined to identify and track individuals in the pursuit of safety and security. Similarly, techniques of digitization have produced very vast repositories of digital case law and judicial decisions that are combined with other sources of big data, providing new opportunities for data mining and AI-generated legal analytics. Private companies are incorporating this data into new products, marketing, and distributing data-driven AI technologies to private and public organizations, including within the criminal justice and the legal sphere. The power of AI-informed algorithmic technologies is just beginning to materialize, as is our understanding of how it can be used and the consequences of its use in various sectors. AI-informed algorithmic technologies are anticipatory And they're used by an expanding range of industries to predict and assess risk, to identify and classify people, and to mediate access to opportunities. Now, although ubiquitous, AI is producing new forms of governance and increasingly is shaping how people experience the world. Arguably, these technologies do more than replicate human intent or actions. One of the features of algorithmic governance is that it structures existing realities in accordance with the digital reality and an anticipated future, not an embodied present. And as Henman explains, anticipatory algorithmic governmentality goes beyond traditional applications of procedures and rules to facts and instead to compute a future reality based on a probabilistic logic. As criminal justice and legal actors operationalize AI predictions, these predictions become real and reality. For example, intensifying police presence in a particular geographical location increases the likelihood of crime being detected and people being arrested. For this reason, Ruha Benjamin has described predictive policing algorithms as crime production algorithms. Ai-informed legal analytics also generate future predictions that in turn shape real-time decisions. These digital realities overlook often the fluidity and messiness of everyday embodied realities as information that can be computed and as data that can be considered. Now, interventions that act on AI-informed algorithm predictions are difficult to criticize at times as the predicted future is not observable outside of a digital sphere. And in both criminal justice and legal spheres, forms of anticipatory algorithmic governance can significantly impact people. Like AI technologies and policing, emergent technologies have ethical implications and they're poised to alter some legal practices in a way that undercuts broader principles and ideals of justice. So this talk will be an opportunity to examine predictive policing and legal analytic technologies that are being marketed into the criminal justice and legal sectors as principled alternatives that can enhance accountability and legal efficiency. I want to explore how developers and vendors of predictive policing algorithms are responding to the criticisms of racial bias and appropriating the language of ethical AI without altering the underlying functionality or mitigating the potential for harm of these technologies. And in many instances, and like many others, as a matter of fact, context matters. In the context of legal analytics, we similarly explore how language of ethics and juridical principles are being mobilized to support new proprietary AI technologies as congruent with broader ethical principles and instrumental in the production of legal strategy and efficacy. Recent academic scholarship has framed some algorithms as algorithms of oppression or weapons of mass destruction. These narratives have highlighted the biases in neutrally perceived technology and how their use creates data harms that proliferate and reproduce inequality. Now, notwithstanding these critiques, and the detailed scholarship that deconstructs each of the algorithmic technologies, I show how AI-informed algorithmic technology that the critics have identified as producing harms are being reconfigured and remarketed as solutions to the above mentioned problems of bias, inequality, and racial discrimination. And they're being aligned with the norms of the rule of law and accountable governance. So using the concept of ethics washing, I wanna focus on two AI-informed technologies that are marketed as solutions to complex social problems. First is the rebrand of the predictive policing algorithm that is being marketed to police agencies now as an oversight and accountability tool. Second is a suite of legal analytics and AI algorithms designed to enhance lawyers' efficiency and improve case outcomes. These examples are deliberate and heuristic. They're being used to make some arguments about the flexibility and the fluidity of AI algorithms, logics, and technologies, and to show how they evolve, pivot, and assemble rationalities of governance while simultaneously reproducing and sometimes masking insidious forms of structural inequality. Technological solutions and the ethical language that's used to validate them, I would argue diverts us from asking some more fundamental questions about the ethical use of AI technologies in criminal justice and legal spheres or how technology could be used to query different questions or democratize law. These questions are different from a focus on how to produce ethical properties within tools. So below I discuss also, before I get into these examples, the recent proliferation of ethical principles and charters, which are being designed to limit the potential harms that could be associated with AI use in response to some of the criticisms that I mentioned. So the technology industries responsible for developing um, big data analytics and AI have remained largely unregulated for the past several decades. And proponents are starting to argue that the lack of regulation is necessary to foster innovation and creativity. However, others have differed. And it's in this context that technology developers are positioning emerging predictive AI technologies as neutral and capable of transcending human bias in decision-making. Such claims that these technologies Given these claims, these technologies were adopted by a range of public and private institutions to reduce cost, improve efficiency, and overcome bias, particularly in the criminal justice system without much vetting or oversight. Given the contradictory claims of neutrality, scholars have also wanted to talk about how technology can encode human bias and also how it has the potential to produce harm. And since, night, since 2016, guidelines for ethical AI have started to gain prominence. These ethical principles are intended to serve as a baseline for how AI ought to function. Technological developers and other organizations have started creating ethical charters, principles, and even certifications, which are intended to guide the development of technologies. For example, the Fair and Accountable Transparent machine learning community developed a guideline document to help developers, and I quote, that help the developers and product managers design and implement algorithm systems in publicly accountable ways. It identifies five principles for accountability responsibility, explainability, accuracy, auditability, and fairness. Similarly, in 2019, the IA a AI high-level expert group presented ethics guidelines for trustworthy AI to the European Commission. In their guidelines, the AI HLEG identifies four ethical principles, respect for humanity, autonomy, prevention of harm, fairness, and explicability. Adherence to these principles is typically voluntary and it doesn't include mechanisms for oversight or enforcement, making it easy and advantageous for technology industries to support. Hagendorf has classified the establishment of these ethical charters as a form of ethics washing, which allows industries to continue to self-regulate and detract from efforts to establish enforceable regulations and laws. So as I was starting to say that ethical principles are quite fraught, um, they're broad, flexible, and they're often very much open to interpretation and adaptation by technology industries. It's difficult to conceptualize ethical principles in concrete enforceable terms because they often provide fail to provide clear guidance on how to translate abstract social concepts into technological requirements that can be measured and evaluated. Now, while some of the proponents for ethical guidelines articulate the value of underspecified frameworks that can be universally applied, this also creates practical difficulties and has fostered space for technology to potentially co-opt and absorb the language of ethical principles that were developed in response to problematic algorithms. Nevertheless, Middlestad has argued that many of the questions that AI developers are facing are complex about how society ought to function And it is, I quote, foolish to assume these questions can be resolved with technical fixes or good design alone, end quote. For example, there's ongoing debate about how to enact principles of fairness and accuracy in a system that might already be shaped by structural inequality. Additionally, there are often disciplinary disconnects between how criminology, law, philosophy, data sciences, and AI developers conceptualize concepts such as fairness or accountability. The underdefined details of ethical technologies or promoting social good allows developers to make broad claims about solving social challenges while avoiding rigorous engagement with the social and political impacts. Consequently, it's important to focus not just on the technical solution, but also to consider the context that these technologies are being designed for and the organizational logics in which they are deployed. Fairness and transparency are often cited as components of ethical AI, and they're also aligned with the organizational logics in which they operate. Nonetheless, the concept of transparency is being troubled by a number of scholars. So for example, through the lens of science and technology studies, Anani and Crawford have argued that making one part of an algorithmic system visible, such as the algorithm, or even the underlying data, is not the same as holding the assemblage accountable. These principles are useful, and they're important guiding principles to help us respond to emerging changes in society and technology. As many have pointed out, ethics are not necessarily designed to ensure compliance or to prevent harm. The endorsement and co-optation of ethical principles can be characterized, as I've mentioned before, as ethics washing. And we're seeing increasingly that there are corporations, not all by any means, but some that are eager to pledge their support for principles that also have very little accountability mechanisms attached to them. McIner et al. in 2018 found that ethical guidelines and principles had a negligible effect on the work of technology developers and at times conflicted with business interests, interests. Industry support for the development of these principles is diverse. Principles and guidelines can distract from the development of legally enforceable regulatory systems, but they can also be guiding lights or light posts. The use of ethical language in the marketing of technology can also challenge um, how it's being used within the system. So, with that, I want to turn to two examples um, right now of how we would move forward and think about this in a couple of different case studies. So in this particular context, I wanna talk a little bit about the issue of predictive policing. So following several high profile incidents that have vividly demonstrated racial justice and inequality in policing, as well as in other criminal justice sectors, there's been renewed demands for greater accountability in policing. In the 2020, the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis police officer and other national and international police shootings of Black individuals prompted global protests about bias in police practices and renewed accountability and oversight in officers. When released, predictive police technologies were positioned as data-driven solutions to human bias in police departments. Since then, scholars have argued that predictive policing technologies are part of the problem. And that in fact, they perpetuate rather than resolve bias and question if AI can be ethically used in policing in the criminal justice system more broadly. These criticisms have prompted a variety of responses from the sector, government, and technology providers themselves. So for example, in 2017, the Santa Cruz California Police Department stopped using PredPol, a predictive policing AI algorithm, and they eventually the city council ban the software entirely, citing concerns that its continued use could constitute racial profiling and exasperate tensions between the police and the community. And several other um, cities followed suit quickly thereafter. The bans and the rejection of this technology prompted a range of responses from technology developers and vendors of predictive policing technologies. Some companies sold their technology to others. Others rebranded and then shifted the focus from predictive policing to officer oversight, accountability and improved community relations. In 2021, the predictive policing company formerly known as PredPol rebranded to Geolitica. This change in name signified a broader shift. PredPol was based on the words predictive and policing whereas Geolitica brings together the terms geographical and analytics. A blog post by the company entitled Geolitica, a new name, a new focus, explains that this name, and I quote, better represents the direction of our company and that has taken over the past few years, end quote. Shifting focus away from predictive policing and emphasizing spatial and analytical dimensions of technology. In explaining their decision to rebrand, Geolitica notes that despite its role in establishing the concept of predictive policing in mainstream parlance, the phrase has come to encompass a wide range of activities, including facial recognition software, person-based predictions that the company does not want to be associated with. Geolytica troubles the word predictive, arguing that the company has moved away from predictions and claims that the term no longer represents the business. Instead, Geolytica pre- positions its technology as risk assessments, a phrase that is potentially less contentious than predictive policing, but which does not actually address the potential harm from the technology's use. A focal shift was partly influenced by police agencies themselves. A blog post on the company's website distanced itself from predictive analytics of PredPol notes that police organizations prefer to set their own parole decisions. To facilitate this, the prediction-less version of technology was offered in the company's new name and it was on the side of the business to look at accountability and transparency. Geolitico's rebrand and its products facilita- are now argued to be facilitators of police oversight
1: and accountability.
0: Many police departments that use Predigol's software also at the time installed GPS in their police vehicles or attached to radios to track the amount of time that police officers spent in particular locations that were seen to be elevated risks. So one of the key components of GeoLytical's rebranding is the combination of the GPS data and the mapping analytics which was used to digitally track and monitor police officers. Geolitica's website features three headings: transparency, accountability, and effectiveness. The newly adapted algorithms for monitoring police officers are conceptualized as central to the new wave of police oversight and accountability. There are heat maps or patrol heat maps that track and display the amount of time officers spend in various locations, bread tram trails that track officers' locations and movements over the course of a shift resource hotspot analyses that show the geographical locations where officers concentrate their time, and mission reporting, which details the types of crimes that officers are focusing on. Now, collectively, Geolytica operationalizes and reduces police accountability to digitally surveilling and managing the movements of officers to ensure they're complying with a somewhat decontextualized managerial directives. Illustratively, Geolitica's website claims that a key part of managing your officers is just making sure they're spending time in the areas they're supposed to patrol. This narrow instance of a company's leveraging demands for accountability to market a form of digital governance shows how complex and fraught concepts such as accountability can be co-opted and decontextualized in technological uses. Characterizations of transparency are also conceptualized here as ways to reinforce existing police practices and organizational logics of the police. Geolitica's algorithm captures data and compiles it in formats that can be readily shared with government and with the public. However, this framing of transparency also tends to fail to engage with how police departments have often evaded making this type of data public in a way that could actually facilitate meaningful transparency. And we see parallels in the case of footage from body cameras that are worn by police, which is often only made available after litigation compels its release, despite the cameras being adopted initially to improve transparency and oversight. And Annie and Crawford argue appropriately that transparency does not ensure an ethical algorithm if those who use the data um, do not have the ability to hold the system accountable. Now, Geolytica is not the only predictive policing company to adopt language of officer oversight. As Avina recently sold its predictive policing software, Hunch Lab, citing in part challenges associated with creating machine learning and artificial intelligence technologies that align with social values and the profound impact of these technologies are likely to have on a future society. As Avina says that it's a B corporation, which means a certified measures that the company's entire, um, certifies that the company's entire social and environmental impact is transparent. A B corporation certification endorses numerous ethical standards, including justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. They explain that as a B corporation, They have a mission not only to advance the state of art, but also to apply for positive civic, social and environmental impact. As police, and they note that as predictive policing technologies have generated increased criticism for targeted policing practices, racial profiling and increased surveillance of marginalized communities, the company struggles to align Hunch Lab with its own ethical principles of a company of a B corporation. So Avida attempted to create a predictive policing product that aligned with their values. And they explained, we were convinced that HunchLab could contribute to improving the status quo by using data to overcome bias, as well as to track police activity and results. However, Avida eventually sold HunchLab citing ethical concerns with the technology. Through selling HunchLab, they repositioned themselves as principled and ethical. Despite selling the technology to another company where it becomes used for the same purposes that Azina found it to be problematic. Hunchlab was bought by ShotSpotter, a precision policing pat- platform that uses AI to detect gunshots. With the acquisition of Hunchlab, ShotSpotter announced its transition into predictive policing, which it has now rebranded as precision policing. ShotSpotter also markets its predictive policing technology using the language of ethical principles, police oversight and accountability. Now, despite the rebranding of, from prediction to police oversight and accountability, developers of predictive policing technologies continue to offer machine learning algorithms that use historical and contemporary crime data to make AI-generated predictions or risk assessments then identify high-risk locations for the purposes of policing. Now, notwithstanding the ability to monitor officers' digital locations, these algorithms continue to produce data about where police should be deployed and perpetuate the very same problems that scholars previously identified with predictive policing algorithms, such as PredPol. The vendors of predictive policing algorithms are meant to be responsive to the concerns and they have shifted their marketing. But both Geolitical and ShotSpotter position their software as facilitating improvements in, I quote, community and police relationships, reducing crime, enabling the police to invest more time proactively working with communities. Now this tautological logic positions technology as a solution to a complex problem of negative police relationships with the public without interrogating police power, history of biased practices, underlying structural inequalities, or other complexities that shape this problem, but cannot easily be captured and coded as digital data. Focusing on police oversight, community relations and accountability also obscures some of the problematic aspects of these algorithms. Reframing predictive policing technologies as tools for police accountability and employing the language of ethical AI exemplars exemplifies a form of ethics washing and a contestable form of accountable governance. Advanced forms of algorithmic governance that use machine learning and AI can produce technologies for accountability. However, skepticism is warranted when the technology is developed and deployed in a manner that fails to reflect on the problem to be solved and instead layers a technological solution over a complex institutional issues and problems. So some law firms, and I wanna just flip now to a second example of legal analytics. So some law firms and lawyers, um, have also harnessed AI and big data to enhance their legal strategies and to better predict outcomes, organize files, and manage cases. The developers and vendors of these technologies include both startups and established legal information corporations. I wanna focus on one of these corporations, just like I focused on one example or two examples within the context of predictive policing. My example here will be on LexisNexis, a global company that provides a very wide range of services and software for lawyers, including a suite of innovative technologies incorporating big data and AI. LexisNexis describes this technology as delivering powerful new decision tools to customers by applying machine learning, natural language processing, visualization, and artificial intelligence to our global data legal base. These technologies mine digitized legal data to uncover patterns and to provide new insights to judges, courts, and opposing counsel. LexisNexis is one company that promotes to promote the rule of law around the world through the adoption of ethical principles such as equality under the law, transparency of the law, independent judiciaries, and accessible legal remedies. This emphasis on advancing rule of law through ethical principles elides the fact that LexisNexis's new AI technologies actually have the potential to undermine these very ethical principles that they promote. So presently, LexisNexis markets its AI legal products to litigators and corporate counsel. These technologies include context, and Lex Machina, Canadian and US products, respectively. LexisNexis explains, and I quote, this expansive suite of analytical tools will provide unprecedented insight into judges, jurisdictions, motion practice, and parties to cases. For example, Lexis Machina provides legal analytics about the behavior of judges, law firms, lawyers, and parties, enabling them to craft successful trial strategies win cases, and close businesses," end quote. And they quote Lexis litigation profile suite, which is enhanced by something called Ravel Law Technology, is meant to complement this offering by providing insights into arguments that are less likely to be persuasive to a judge when combined with the behavior of analysis from Lexis Machina, litigators now have the ability to build judge-specific arguments in court. These technologies use AI to discover patterns in language to make predictions about future decisions and outcomes. It enables lawyers to tailor their submissions and preferences to a particular judge by incorporating the language and legal reasoning predicted to be most persuasive to that individual judge providing a strategic advantage. These products implicitly encourage a form of technologically mediated judge shopping. Transforming predictions about future legal rulings into algorithmic reality that can be acted upon in the present. Lawyers' efforts to select favorable judges or jurisdictions predates AI technologies, in fact, well predates AI technology. However, AI has the potential to change the scope and the capacity at which this happens. Access to AI-assisted legal technologies and a vast repository of digital data Is often behind a paywall and it can be expensive and therefore not equally accessible. Tailoring submissions to strategies predicted to be the most successful can limit legal innovation and also the reinscribe existing precedent, things that currently do exist but have now been elevated to the next level. AI-generated predictions about future legal outcomes become real as lawyers act on them and through And through that, they become um, true by the deciding whether or not to advance cases or arguments in certain jurisdictions or in front of a particular judge. The adoption of the AI-assisted legal technologies that predict case outcomes reflect a law firm's focus on cost, client management, resource deployment, and decision-making. These predictions allow matters to be more accurately price-based, on timing for milestones for specific judges and courts. John Fitzpatrick, a managing director of the North American Research Solution at LexisNexis explains, and I quote, to be successful in today's competitive legal environment, lawyers need to make faster and more informed decisions based on data that is incorporated into their natural workflow, unquote. AI predictions can help shape firms' decisions about what cases they will or will not accept or advance the rates and the rates to charge for doing so. A potential consequence of this technology is that legal billing rates depend in part on the judge overseeing the case, something a client cannot control. There could be parallels into the banking and financial sector where predictions about individual's future actions shape access to rates and credit which in turn impacts their their financial future. When police or lawyers act on the predictions of AI about the future, they change the present in ways that turn predictions at times into self-fulfilling prophecies. In the case of AI enhanced legal analytics, when lawyers act on AI generated information about the future, these predictions start to shape the present and reinforce the way in them in the ways that are difficult to measure. A scan of the industry shows that predictive tools are currently being marketed primarily to litigators rather than criminal lawyers. Most data and software products for criminal lawyers focus on improving case management, storage, and billing, and this is defense lawyers in particular. If innovative technologies continue to prompt law, law firms to better manage risk, and make a wide range of data-driven decisions, aspects of this organizational culture will have a potential to spill over into unintended consequences in law. It also reflects sort of a shift in work or labor of lawyers. And it can also shift the focus of who's being governed by technology and how. The current emphasis on achieving strategic advantage in court is where it's at, but it remains to be unclear as to what extent these products can provide any kind of clear advantage um, over others. LexisNexis is only one company of many and is selling a, a range of AI-enhanced technologies while at the same time, it positions itself as rule, advancing the rule of law around the world and through the promotion of ethical principles. In short, the evolving use of data analytics and AI to improve decision-making can shape the legal profession in unanticipated ways. And it's questionable as to whether or not these technologies are enabling ethical advancements in law. So finally, I just want to speak a little bit briefly about a new player in the realm of a lot of these companies and around technology and these are ethics leaders. Entrepreneurial and private sector companies are responding to concerns about the growing use of AI across industries, and there's a subsequent push for ethical AI. Some companies are now employing or contracting what are called ethics leaders. Ethics leaders are specifically tasked with evaluating the ethical properties of an AI system by testing issues such as bias, risk of harm, transparency and compliance with applicable laws and regulations. Ethics leaders can provide options to mitigate existing bias that can improve explainability and reduce risk. Evaluations of these algorithms are compared to rely, can be compared to the reliability and probability testing in social science. But they may also pay particular attention to the effects of the on the marginalized members or groups in which they're being used, or more generally how they change the system. Theoretically, ethics leaders are using a principle of no detriment. They are meaning to ensure that AI technologies are free from bias and don't create harm, but they also enable developers to market their products as ethical. Engagement with ethics leaders is voluntary and feedback's not binding. And the system allows developers in most cases to retain a lot of control over their technology while simultaneously positioning it as ethical. Now, irrespective of intention or purpose, um, whether companies are invested or not invested in creating ethical algorithms, there's also the component of use. When you insert these algorithms into systems, making problematic decisions or sort of consequential decisions about individuals, their effects can be unanticipated. So just to sort of wrap up um, and clu- conclude, I wanna, I've argued that a potential harm associated with the use of AI in various sectors is being documented quite well by a number of scholars. And the push for ethical AI is gaining prevalence in both private and public sectors. Many companies are eager to engage with ethics and brand their AI technology as ethical while others are marketing their products in ways that distance themselves from past narratives like racial profiling. This engagement with ethics can bring about some positive changes. However, it can also distract from the potential harms of technology without leading to any meaningful change in how that technology is designed or implemented especially given that oversight and accountability mechanisms for the development and deployment of these technologies in both legal and criminal justice spheres are unevenly distributed and often lag with technological development. More thorough engagement with ethics considers the social technical context in which AI is being deployed. And some scholars have argued that because the biased data and potential for harm AI cannot be ethically used in the criminal justice system. Others have argued persuasively that some technologies are inherently harmful and will never be equitable, and that technology companies are not currently organized in ways that could allow them to even ask, let alone answer the question of whether their products and services they build are harmful. Technology will become more sophisticated alongside advances in machine learning, AI and algorithms do not simply digitize the human intent and actions. These technologies are producing new forms of actionable knowledge and governance and it's important to continue to study evolutions and uses of these technologies in criminal justice and legal systems where there is in fact a considerable risk of harm. There's also a resounding demand to produce responsive ethical strategies for accountability, equity, and transparency. Developers of this technology may feel a sense of urgency to immediately respond to the criticisms of predictive algorithms in criminal justice and legal systems by rebranding products and finding new ways to engage languages of ethics. These practices are problematic in cases and they often result in what we've labeled ethics washing. adoption of an ethical language or principles without actually resulting in consequential change. Now, By studying how AI technologies are adapted to fit the language of ethical rationalities, we can facilitate a deeper understanding of the flexibility of emergent forms of algorithmic governance. As technology vendors respond to calls for ethical algorithms and ethics leaders continue to certify systems as ethical, it can become increasingly difficult to critique a technology and its use in a particular sector. And even if ethical technologies can reinforce, even so, an ethical technology can still reinforce structural inequality depending on the context in which it's used and interpreted. And in the context of criminal justice system, no matter how ethical that technology can be, part of the problem is that a technology is being introduced to solve a problem that is likely one that has been pontificated on for a series of times for a number of years. And they're old questions that the technology is being applied to, like how do we catch um, or prevent more crime? How do we assess risk better? How do we predict recidivism better? These questions are old questions. And one of the things that has to happen alongside the evolution of technology and the rise of ethics is to start to think about how we can ask different questions and apply knowledge to different solutions. And with that, I'll just end with this quote, um, which I find to be quite telling. The people who believe that math and computation are more objective or fair tend to be the kind of people who think that inequality and structural racism can be erased with a keystroke. They imagine that the digital world is different and better than the real world. And that by reducing decisions to calculations, we can make the world more rational. When development teams are small, like-minded and not diverse, this kind of thinking can come to be seen as normal. However, it doesn't move us toward a more just and equitable world. So this particular passage prompts us to think more deeply about how do we move forward with technology Um, that will evolve and develop and inform our world. And where do we go from here? Thanks.